Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 206 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We're a podcast of science and comedy and ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. I'm Gregoire. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better, dinosaurs get the last laugh. We'll take a monkey pause. And it returns. But before we start all our stories, what happened to you in your week in science, Dan? So, endochroma glasses have been in the news again. Mm-hmm. These are the glasses that are specially designed to help the chromically disabled. Mm-hmm. New research has come out, thank you, Al Batson, that suggests that they are complete horseshit mm. and that the videos of crying boomers were actually of actors. <laughs> and what I realised is I didn't understand how a bunch of things worked or were supposed to work with both mm. these glasses and colour blindness. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to get my head around it all. You, Gregoire, are red, green, colour blind. Yes. I mean, that's such a useless way of putting it. But yes, I, yeah, but yes, I, I, I am. There's, there's a couple of different versions of red, green, yes, colour blind. Right. Yeah. And you're one of them. Yeah, I am protonopic. My red cone is deficient. So yeah. I'm protonopic. Not, not, it's not gone, it's just deficient. Yeah. Great. Great, because this whole thing revolves around that. <laughs> what this means is that you and I both know what blue looks like. Mm-hmm. We look at the sky, both agree that it's blue. We're both probably having this, a similar sensation. Let's not go down the road of, oh, man, do you reckon that when you see one colour and I see the same colour, we're seeing the same colour? <laughs> we don't need to do that. Yeah. That's philosophy. Stop. That's bullshit. No. This is a science podcast. <laughs> Okay, so if we look at blue and we look at green, we both see blue and we both see green and they are obviously different colours. Yes? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, so if we we look at water... No, you just said the thing we we weren't going to do. So I I just... It it comes down to different cultures have different... Like blue didn't have a name for a long time because nothing was blue except the sky. So a lot of cultures, things like pink... There are a lot of colours that cultures don't talk about. But we, we've, yeah, we've, sorry, it's, it, that's a rabbit hole. We don't need to go down. Yeah. Uh, great. Wavelengths of light. Great. Wavelengths of light here. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so if we look at warm blue and aquamarine and teal, they all feel real bunched up together. Like, oh, yeah, they're all really close to each other, right? Oh, I, okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yes. Like if you're looking at sure. the colour yes. wheel or something, they're like, all localized. They all look kind of yes. the same. Yes. Okay. Right. Yes. They're yes, a yes. little bit yes, different yes. from each other. But Got it. so this is you'd agree with that. Got it. You, it looks like you don't agree with anything uh, I'm yes, saying. I'm yes. not trying to catch you out. I'm not trying to trick you I, uh, this time. No. 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 I, I I know I'm protonopic, but I can't see the differences in colors like you can even with because it's a red thing going on in my eye it's not just the red that's affected i can't see the the shade graded shades you know when you go into like a hardware store and they've got eight million paints on the wall and all different versions of colors it's not like i can't see just the red ones it's i I go all those whites look it's like 44 whites i i could see differences in three so it's like and then same for the blues and the gray they're all they i just go uh, they're the same to me. So I'm hesitant because I go, I no, I can't. I can't quite tell the difference between them. They're not just bunched up to me. They are. They look pretty much the same. They're just blue. 
They're just greens. They're just they're differences, but not as not, not in the way that some people seem to see them. Mm. Oh, some people, uh, women are crazy. They have too many cones <laughs> or something. That's they were they were trained from they, birth to distinguish yes, colors. Yes, right. So. All right, so yes, here's, yes. It's, here's it where the, the training thing as well, yes. Here's where the change is. So if I look at red and I look at orange and I look at yellow and I look at green, they all seem massively spaced apart. They like, they seem as different to each other as green mm-hmm. is to blue. But it's my understanding mm-hmm. that for you, they're all bunched up together. There's no, there's such a, like, you can kind of tell the difference between green and red, but they're all really close. Is that would that be right to say? Yes, yes. Yellow is probably the one that because it's tonally. You've got to take it tone, not just hue. So tone is how I tell a lot of different colors. Yellow. You don't normally have a dark yellow. In fact, a dark yellow we'd probably call an orange. But well, a dark um, yellow but, we would actually call a brown, a greeny brown. Oh, good point. So, yeah, that's fair enough. But so it's and a, that would I probably look, yellows. I can normally yeah. tell yellows from a mile away, no problem at all. That's a yellow. Um, very, very, very bright oranges, like those fluoro oranges and very, very, very bright greens, fluoro greens. I can't tell the difference between. Oh, fluoro, fluoro is this whole other kettle of fish. Yeah. Fluoro is like absorbing UV light and then rebroadcasting it. It's, but, oh, it's, it's also that they, I think for me, it's also that they tones, they're very bright tones. So I can't tell the tonal difference mm. and the colors. And because my eyes, the colors are very close together. Hues to me are very close together. Therefore they blend into each other. And it takes my brain a while to work out which one's which. Same mm. for reds uh, with lower tones, like trees. If you have like a, a deep red flower on a dark green tree. Uh, forget it. I don't see it until yep. I'm right up against it. And people, and then there's enough red hitting my eye that my brain goes, oh, that's red, instead of just going, it's all just green. Oh, wow. So the closer you get, the more mm-hmm. you fill your vision with I, the red yes. thing. Yeah. It, it's oh, it's, it's no, at a distance. I cannot tell. I can't tell the dots on the tree, in this case, are red. But when I get up close to it, I can start seeing the red flowers in the green tree. I, I don't know. It's just suddenly my brain starts going, wait, no, no, that's red. It's worked out that it is different enough to start calling it something else. Yeah, neat. And remember, I'm one type. There's lots of types. There so are lots of types. One experience, so yeah. But this is a, this is a situation where, in my eye, it's got like a little smattering of blue cones mm. and it's got like oh, maybe, I don't know, 20, 30% of like green, maybe not even that high, maybe mm. 20, yeah, maybe 15% green cones. And then it's a wash with red cones because mm-hmm. red it seems to be a lot harder to pick up for the eye. So it needs right. like a, sm- a whole bunch of it just packed ah. to the gills with red. And so in your eye, it's like same amount of blue, but then there's hardly any red ones in there and mm-hmm. most of it is green. Mm. And like all the bits where there was red have been filled up with green for you. Yes. Yeah. My cone can't handle it. It just doesn't. It's a mutant. It can't do it. It's almost like it's shifted the wavelength down from if you had red, green, blue, it's almost shifted the the, the spectra of colours I'm seeing mm. down down into the green. It hasn't. Yeah. It's just my eyes, the green cones are picking up what the red yeah. should be picking up. So you can't see ultraviolet. Uh, no, no, that the other way. I can't see infrared. Uh, no, no, no. You because if you can't see red, you definitely can't see infrared. Yes, but if it's all shifted down. Oh, oh, shifted up. Sorry, but, shifted yeah, sorry. Up. We're, yeah. we're talking about that. Shifted towards the green and blue is what I'm yes. trying to say. Yes, yes. So if it kept shifting the other end, 
you'd be able to see stuff that kestrels can see. <laughs> I do wonder about that. I don't, I'm, I'm pretty certain you can't see ultraviolet, but I, I've always wondered about this because I wear my, cause I'm a cool person. I wear my sunglasses all the time. I'm very squinty. If you see me, pictures of me, with, I have lots of lines around my face. And that's because I squint all the time as I'm wearing sunglasses. Even on very, very cloudy days, I wear sunglasses, not because I'm a lunatic, but because there is a glare all the time that is unbelievably bright, and it's very hard to explain. There's just this glare. And I think it's, well, it's probably not ultraviolet. It's it's going to be something like uh, polarized glasses. To, mm-hmm. to Otherwise, I can't see in the middle of the day in Australia, even on very, very cloudy days. So I always wonder what ah. invisible light my eyes are picking up that I need sunglasses to get rid of. I can't yeah. see it, but it makes my eyes squint. Yeah, well, if you've got more green and blue cones because you've got no red cones in the way, then you're maybe you're having a much stronger and more intense... Maybe, yeah, potentially. But when we look at blue, our blue cones are sort of tingling. So the same signal's going to our brain. And we, when we look at green, our green cones are tingling. But when I look at red, I have heaps and heaps of these red cones and they all tingle. Mm. So I'm like, oh, geez, red, blood, flowers, passion... <laughs> Fire. But for you, you've got very few red cones that are replaced with green cones. So, oddly enough, some research suggests that colorblind people could be better at distinguishing between various khaki colors because mm. you've got okay. all these extra green cones. Like you, you might be more valuable when hunting or being <laughs> hunted. Oh, so maybe that's why colorblindness is sort of still has been a part of the human race is because there yeah. are benefits to it. There's another. I feel we talked about the podcast before. There's some evidence that colorblind people, when the light levels start to drop and all our vision goes to black and white, so your nighttime vision, we all mm-hmm. go to the rods. We no longer are using the cones. There is some evidence in that twilight, the crepuscular period of the mornings, and when you're starting to lose color, because I don't rely on certain colors like you do, my brain just doesn't do it, there may be some benefit in low light for me seeing motion. So if there's like a tiger in mm. the in the grass, it's not that I see it better than you. It's just my brain's already looking for motion more than it's looking for color, maybe. It might so. also be that you do see it better than us. Like if there's not as many red cones in there, there's more room for the rods. Maybe, potentially. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Because um, remember, mine isn't the red is gone. Mine is the red is a mutant. So it's it's damaged. Mm. So I don't know if that means there are less of them. It may just be the same number that are damaged. Ah, right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, so these glasses. Mm. Now, I never expected that you'd be able to see new colors with them. I never thought no. that they'd be able to turn red on for you. I figured that what it was doing was filtering down the blue and the green and leaving the red really bright to try mm. to stimulate each cone a similar amount based on how many fewer red cones you had. Mm-hmm. So if you've got some sparse and feeble red cones, I felt the idea was that those should still be able to be stimulated. But what they claim to do is create a filter that reduces the light between red and green so that the distinction is really clear, mm. which I don't even know how they do that. But yeah. in a lab setting, the test they ran showed that people wearing the glasses couldn't succeed on colorblind tests any better than using the control. Yeah. So the idea I had in my head is that if you're looking at something pure red, then your cones aren't tingling at all and that mm. you should think you're looking at grey. But it doesn't work like that. No, no. If you're looking at red, you're, you think you're looking at you, – it looks very similar to green. Yes, yeah. And so red looks completely different to blue, for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Yes. Okay. 
Good, oh, yeah, great. Absolutely, yes. That's, yeah. Well, that's why, and then, like you took it in airports, uh, like the Brisbane airport, the, the car parking, it always irritates me. They pick red and green to let you know which car park is empty. They go, red, you can't park there. Green, you can. I can't, t- I have to get so close to it. I'm, there's no point having lights in a car park. I've got to drive up anyway. Make it blue. I can see it from a mile away. And so can everyone else. Mm-hmm. So it's no big difference. Just make it red and blue. Always just go red and blue, not red and green. And you've helped 10% of the population of the planet that have this issue. Such a simple change. Um, you can even make it a greeny blue. There you go. It can make it a lovely teal. Midori. <laughs> Midori. <laughs> well, this helped. Well, we, we started making a card game together and I sort of finished it off years later. And yep. and the, it was a colour-based thing. And I think one of the first notes you had was, I can't tell the difference between those two. And I changed yeah. the colour scheme, so which yep. worked out great. I do it at I mean, work all the time now. My team, I'm the only male on my team and I'm colorblind. And mm-hmm. so I just go, I literally can't see what you're trying to point at. And like, oh my God, we're so sorry. Like, That's fine. It's okay. Just change it to these colors. And they do. And they'll just change it to blues and things. And it's perfectly fine. And what's interesting is how much people get inculcated for how you know it, how you understand it. So because they've now changed, our team has changed it so colorblind people can see it. They mm-hmm. get notes from people outside the team going, what an odd choice of colors. <laughs> I would have picked red and green. It was a much nicer. And they're like, no, stop it. Bad. <laughs> like, oh, sorry. It's just funny. People, you get notes saying, could you just change that to red and green? It's much more pleasing to the eye due to the color wheel. And you're like, get nicked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny what how pervasive that is. Color typicals. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> But the reason that you see gr- this sort of green, it appears to be green when it's red, is because all these there's so much overlap. Mm-hmm. So if it's all green light, then both of our green cones are being stimulated. But mm-hmm. if it's like midway between red and green, then you just have green being stimulated and little feeble red ones. And I've got yes. this mass of red ones that are all pinging as well as my green ones pinging. And so I'm getting like a much stronger electrical signal to my brain. Mm-hmm. And so we would have to go all the way up the very, like the reddest of red to have no green involved at all. In which case you would have to, you would have not really much ringing from your green ones and mm. hopefully your red ones would tingle a bit. I don't think that's how it works. I don't know if a piece of glass can do that. That's that's what I thought they were going to be originally as well, that was shifting the wavelengths to something different so that it was giving, as you said, more stimulus to the ones that, the one the cones that don't work in my eyes as well more impact so it, if it level one but it took it to level three so it gave it the equivalent of level one which my brain still wouldn't know what to do with but though it can see red some version of red whatever that's how i thought it worked but glass can't do that so if you took in light through a camera and then shifted it with a program to, to change the values that way and i wore a headset i do wonder if that would be a way of getting actual color vision well it wouldn't work once again my brain hasn't developed in that way but i do wonder if that would create something closer to inverted commas real color vision all right well can we do an experiment then <laughs> we can. can i just say we can can i just say that i have actually used this in chroma glasses all um, right people were talking about getting me some this is when i was uh, living in perth 600 bucks australia was a lot of Ooh. money and i was like let's and i found someone who had a pair now admittedly they weren't from protonopic they were something else a deuteropic the, the other version uh, which technically means it wouldn't and i put them on and went i uh, i i don't know what we're talking about i don't understand well and if they're for, they a different one then yes, yes they, that's what they i wouldn't thought. target that, you at all 
but but it it made no difference. That's the point. I didn't ah. it didn't change my vision in a major way. And I was like, I don't understand this. I don't get this at all. I don't spend six hundred bucks on this thing. We never did, thank goodness. So yeah, it seemed hmm. it seemed odd to me. Because it's, it's software as much as it is hardware. My brain is developed in a certain way. It's, mm. it's not sitting there going, I know what red is. I'm desperate for red. It's like there are signals coming in. I, I process them. Yeah. So, I'm, I don't miss being able to see infrared or ultraviolet. Yes. I don't miss ovulating. You know what I mean? Like it's kind yeah. of like I'm not built that way. So I, I don't even I have no clue of what that is. So. Mm. All right, but I'd like to do a quick experiment. Please. I um, hate these, so th- screw you. But anyway, go on. Um, uh, color tests irritate the hell out of me. Righto. Well, we're doing it anyway. We're doing it anyway for the podcast. <laughs> we Suck will. I, I'm happy to do it for the podcast. but Because this isn't for you. This is for me. Hey, here's a dot pattern thing. I'm like, get oh. stuffed. Hey, freak boy. Jump through the heap, freak boy. I'm like, stop it. <laughs> I'm going to email it to you. Slows down the podcast a little bit. Leave all this in. It's all gold. Shush. You don't know what gold is. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So have you sent it or? No, I'm still going a bit insane trying to get it to work. Due to technical issues, we've sort of time shifted this little bit. But now it's working and we're going to do the thing, the experiment with Greg, despite the fact he hates these sort of experiments. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Let's experiment on Greg's colorblindness, even the fact that all his life, the thing he loathes is when someone goes, oh, you're colorblind. Can you see this? What? Are you like a dog? You, like, what's that over there? What's going on? And you're like, oh, do you want to know something, Dan, that since we recorded the other part yep. uh, today, on this very day well, at my work, one of my colleagues has created a lovely panel pamphlet for students and for teachers and all this information on it and was like, oh, this is going to be great and it's going to be brilliant. It was really well done. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say a word. I just sat there. I was going to have a quiet word for him afterwards. And then one of my other colleagues was like, hey, Greg, those eight colors that that, that person's picked, uh, how are they? And went, there are, I, there are, I can see five colors. There are four <laughs> that are exactly the same. And he went, oh my God. I went, you couldn't have picked eight more similar hues that I can't see. <laughs> and he went, but that one's pink and that one's green. And went, yeah, I know. And, and he's like, yep, yep, they're right. But this one's like a beige. I'm aware. Is it? That's nice. This one's blue. Isn't that sweet? And the problem was, Dan, he also picked everything was pastel. Everything was pastel. So <laughs> when you don't have a big tonal difference, mm-hmm. I can't see it. So tonal difference makes a big difference as well. So he picked all these pastely similar colors and then yes he was very apologetic but it was pretty funny yeah so horrible yes ultimately this is not about pointing out why you're such a freak this is about <laughs> me trying to empathize with your freakishness and your mutiny. Oh, thank you That's and to try fun. to understand it a little bit okay, and also to try it. to point a bit of science to this and just so that i can understand a bit better and hopefully the uh, listeners will come along so, could you tell me what image I've shown you there? You have shown a, a lovely picture of two rainbow lorikeets, I would say. So, really brilliant blues and greens and yellows and oranges. And uh, these two birds are like hugging each other, like, oh, I love you. And they're sitting on some kind of log or as a, some sort of wooden thing. Excellent. So, that much of your vision works. Excellent. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've had since the upgrade, I can now 
talk like make assumptions about the empathy that animals are showing each other. Oh, so lovely, I'm certain, lovely. I'm pretty certain those two birds like each other and are hugging each other or at least showing each other affection. You are able to tell which bits are green and which bits are red. Uh, uh, can- I, I wouldn't have said they were red. I would have said they are orange, but I'll go with it, sure. Okay, yep. great. So there's sort of an orangey bit and a, and a green yep. bit. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, oh, well, the gr- uh, hang on. I think I know where the green bits are. The green bits are on the back. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> and you can tell the difference between the blue and the green. Oh, the blue, oh, yeah, the blue on, on its belly and its head are very different to the green. Yes, Excellent. they're, they're so down, shockingly different colours. Down the bottom of the bird on the right, there's like a mm-hmm. blue tummy and then there's green on the right-hand side, oh, yes. which is the its back. wings. Its wings tucked behind it are green with a bit of yellow, I think, on there as well. Mm. But the difference between the green and the sort of the orangey bit is you're sort of picking up more as a tonal thing. In this case, I see what you're saying. No, no. In this case, the orange on its chest is quite a different orange. They're not. They're not clashing for me. I can tell that that's an orange and that's a green pretty clearly. Okay, cool. I wouldn't. I wouldn't confuse those two. All right. Well, I'm going to now because they're so bright. I, my guess is because they're so bright. Right. Interesting. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a change now to the image. <laughs> uh, could you explain to the listeners what I've done there? You made it black and white, I think. Uh, you've, you've just got rid of all the colour, but but now you've done something else. So it was black and white for a moment, but now you've done something else where I would say that all the blue still looks like blue to me, like a grey blue, but the, what used to be orange and yellow and the green are all the same colour, which I would say is a um, a brown? A, like, like a, yeah, brownie a brownie, dirty, greeny, brownie colour. Cool. It's hard to All right. Excellent. And um, the beak. The beak's the same colour now too. Yes. So the beak was always a sort of a very vivid red as well, at, that almost matched the, the orangey red on the chest of it. Mm-hmm. What I've done here is I've desaturated the image. So the blue uh-huh. is much less blue and the green is much less green and the red is much less red. Mm. But you can still see that it's sort of there is some colour there. Yes, it took me a while to work out that there was... I think I would have said it was black and white, except that I saw that it was black and white for a second. Ah, was right. That right? Yes. A, yes. No, that was a... So I could I can do that again. Where I could, that, so that's black and white. You haven't done anything to it. Oh, it might be updating. It might be... <laughs> I thought you were trying to trick me for a moment. No. Has it... Update? Oh, yes. Yep. That's black and white. Yeah. That, yes. There's something different about that. I can't... I couldn't explain it. I don't, I can't explain it, but it's just different. But you can make out the blue areas still? Oh, yeah, I can see that they're different. Yes, I would say uh, that that looks much more blue now that you've gone back to the desaturated colour thing. Uh, But before, I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't have guessed, well, it was black and white. I wouldn't have guessed that they were what colour it was, but I would have guessed they were different colours. Where the green, so the blue would look look different to me tonally, I guess, even in black and white. Where the orange, I keep saying orange, but you keep saying red. It, when it, in black and white, looked exactly the same as the green. Yeah. Now, one thing that's interesting for me is that I can st- sort of stare at this image for a while, and my vision and my brain will adjust, and it'll actually become more vibrant as I look at it. Oh, okay. I don't know whether you you're, you're experiencing that. N- no, not at all. Interesting. Uh, in the in the same way that I guess when you're when it when it's dark, your eyes adjust to the darkness and you can start to see uh, uh, yeah, shade guess, a bit better. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, no, it's not it's not 
No, it looks the same to me. Okay. So in your eye, your tonal, your, what is it? The, the rods are going, mm. uh, are happily jangling away and acknowledging the bright bits and the dark bits. You're, you're, not, you're mm. not struggling to make out the, 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 the image itself. No, no. no. And your blue cones are like jingling away and giving you a very slight impression of blue feathers. Mm-hmm. And your yes. green rods are like jingling away and they're giving you an impression of the green and the and and, and I guess the the browny sort of areas. Yes, that's yeah, it's all it's all kind of it's I, I would just call it dirty, but yes. Yeah, I, yeah it it's as I said before, browny, greeny kind of mess mm. of colour. So where it's red and where you already know it's red, it should yeah. look very different to the green for someone like me. Ah. But it it all looks quite similar to you. Mm-hmm. So does, what I what I yes. want to do is I want to make your your few and enfeebled red cones <laughs> jangle like a fire is is happening. Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to increase just the red channel. Ah. Okay. To set to, so I can work out when the the sort of the muddy brownie green dissociate mm. like where it becomes two very different experiences yes. trying to think of another way of explaining what i'm saying imagine uh, what i know is green because we saw the color yep. before that looks like it's in light and what i'm calling the muddy brownie bit looks like it's the same color but in shadow yeah okay like that that's how horrible i'm seeing it white dress blue dress nonsense yes yeah that's a, but that's my brain's interpreting it, what i'm looking at right now if you hadn't shown me the original picture i would have said oh they're the same color just one happens to be in darkness one happens to be in the light mm. if you could sort of visualize uh, or imagine that the blues you're seeing and the greens you're seeing are like much brighter than they are mm-hmm. and then if i um, what i'm going to do is i'm going to make the red stronger and everything else should stay the same. Oh my god! As wow, that much of the parrot is red. Yeah. That's now really surprising. Really, not, it's not just red. There is some ye- like there is yellow in there. Like the, there's are, yellow in it. Are you? Are you? No, seriously, Dan. Are you? Are you kidding? Because I, I, uh, the chest. I'm not messing around here. The chest. Yes. Okay. That was that. I kept saying orange. Yeah. So that's fine. The head, there was no orange or red on the head at all, but now it's quite red. Um, and there was no red or orange around the side on the wing, but there's lots there now. There was uh, none for me before. It was all green, the back of its head. Let me just the- double check that. Let me just double check that. <laughs> so what's happening is those are gr- uh, those are sort of greeny, yellowy feathers. There's actually yellow just behind uh, the blue of the head. So right. what I'm okay, right. so, so that red is uh, boosted up. Yes, I and see. Right. Okay. So what? So I, I, didn't, I, I, I didn't realize there was red along the tip of the wing at all. In no way did I notice that. Um, Occasional patches of yellow I can see, but there's, I didn't realize how much red was there. Um, well, I, really possibly I boosted the red up because I don't see the red there when I look at the original photo. I see mm. the yellow because it's mixing in with the green. So I guess, like, is there a point between when it's uh, very dull as I start to escalate it? where those mm-hmm. feathers for you start to look yellow or it just moves straight from green to red? Uh, no, it goes. It jumps straight from muddy brown to red in, in the way you're doing it now. I've lost all yellow, basically. Yeah, I think that might be a limitation of the software doing that. Oh, no. Well, I mean, what, what I'm looking at there <laughs> looks like a muddy yellow. I can see that it's red. Like, that's 
this it, when you had it up before it yeah. was red like it wasn't messing around red yes so well red. But, but what's happened is that the to make yellow you get your green and your red and now the red is much brighter than the green that should be mixed into it mm. so that should be mixed in 50 well what is it 50 50 or however light works but um but looking at mm. like for me i'm looking at something absurd because the red is up too high. You're looking at something absurd because you're not used to the red being up so high. But I'm wondering whether maybe your red cones are tingling and compensating for the fact that they're not. There's not heaps of them by tingling a lot in this sort of low mm-hmm. saturation environment, and whether maybe this approximates what other people see when they're seeing more when they're seeing a normal amount of red. Right, maybe yes. Well, it's very, it's a lot more. What I, yeah, it's a lot more red. That what I would say before was more of an orange for the lorikeet with some yellow thrown in. This is now a red bird with with I would say grey blue feathers and other parts of its body. That's it. That's all I can see now is red, 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 and this grey blue. Oh, so storm blue. So you can't really pick out the green that's there. Uh there's not much of it. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, no. Well, no, I can. Sorry, I can. It's at the back. Yes, at the back along yes. its wing. Yes, you're right. It's still quite red. If that makes, it, I can see that it's green. <laughs> but it, until you mentioned it, my brain was like, no, no, no. That's just once again. One's the bright version, and one's the dark version. But now it's the chest is bright and the wings are dark. Okay, that's interesting because I don't, I don't really see them as being different tones so your brain is doing some sort of cool editing trick where it's like it's it's detecting tone more effectively so that it can work out it could be that's something it could be doing but also it could just be tricked by the hue so the hue is let's as you said before it's the it's the um golden dress or the white dress with gold or the black dress with blue or whatever it was in it's just the same dress but in different lighting states it could just be my brain is going wait if that color's there, it's not really a color. It's a it's a change of tone. So it's making it look like more like a change of tone because it can't show me the color or it doesn't want to or whatever it is. That is <laughs> such a an illuminating way of discussing to, so that I can kind of get a, 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 a mental model of how that works in your head. That has been so illuminating. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to rub it in there. That wasn't an intentional chat. It's not. It's not a fire engine red. It's quite a darkish red. That's mad. That, That's mad. On, I just I bumped the red up to absolute full full blast. That looks like the scene out of Terminator 2 when Sarah Connor is having a dream about the nuclear bomb going off in LA and she's standing next to the children's playground and everyone just turns red and then bursts into flame. You mean everyone turns green and bursts into flame? (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) But I can't, I I kept forgetting that's green in the background. I would not, if you'd ask me how many colours were in that picture now, I would say grey, blue, red, and I cut. Dirty, dirtier red, well, darker see, red. That's super interesting because that means that it, it feels like your green cones are just doing double duty. <laughs> like they just recontextualize like the dress. They're like, well, sometimes we're going to ring and be green and sometimes we're going to be ring and be red. And the, that's the brain's problem to sort out. My, yeah, I think my eyes have just given up. 
<laughs> I think. I think. Well, no, it's, I, it's, I think it's more your brain is like going into overdrive. Yeah, that's probably true. You're trying to work out because all its context clues, all its tricks that it's used to work out what the colors are around it, and then especially that I know that it doesn't work the same way. So I do use certain tricks, mm. and as if certain, so as I said before dark green tree with red flowers, I can not see it and then suddenly walk up to it and look up and drink, oh my God, it's full of red flowers. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, obviously you can see it for miles around. And you're like, well, I can't. But I, when I got close, I can. I, it becomes, because I assume there's just enough red photons activating in my eyes to, to register properly. So it's, um, it's you see, that one, that's what made me think that this would work more effectively than it did, is that <laughs> your red cones are still jingling away. They, yes. they are still activating when red hits them, but then... Yes, not as well. Yes, not as well as yours, as far as I'm aware. My guess is that it's not so simple as just switching on. It's not like you are doing on this program of changing the percentage mixes between the between the channels, mm. blue, green, and red. I think it's more complicated than that. It's going to be a... It's going to be a, a dance between the electrical signals coming from those cones yeah. through the optic curve into my brain. And and that's had 49 years of trying to work it out. And that that software is not going to change on a dime. No. Um, it's, it's just never going to do it. And I think that's why these endochromo glasses just don't work, mm. is that I think they went through the same sort of steps that I did. And when mm. well, that's the hardware. I just have to compensate for the hardware. Yeah, but unfortunately, yeah. your uh, your software is just a <laughs> JavaScript <laughs> nonsense. We mammals lead short, sharp lives. We we get up mainly with the morning. Ooh, and what we, are you short? Short lives. Short lives, Dan. Not compared Most to mammals, birds. Not compared to insects. But compared. To reptiles and Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things are Methuselah beasts. Exactly right. So what's going on there, Dan? Yes, there are some notable exceptions. Humans live relatively long time. We're a very large, long-lived animal. Animals that get bigger normally live a long time. Elephants live a decent amount of time. Whales live can live for a long time. We're not harpooning them, that sort of stuff. My ring-tailed uh, possum didn't live a very long mammal life. Oh, thank you. But yes. on, the, on, the, on the flip side, we do have a new python. <laughs> That will last for decades and decades and decades. So on average, reptiles and amphibians live much, much longer than mammals. And that's always been an interesting point. Why that is, uh, as I said before, size of the animal can help. Bigger things normally live longer. Shorter, smaller things can live shorter. Not necessarily correlation doesn't equal causation. But there has been new research that maybe, Dan, that maybe the, we don't live for 300, 400, 500, 1,000 years is because of your nemesis, the Entropy? dinosaur. Oh, right. That, that, oh, no, that, well, that's everyone's nemesis. Yes, true. But dinosaurs, Dan. Once again, dinosaurs are coming to reign in our parade, and not this time with their beautiful plumage, uh. this time by destroying our lives, literally. Thank you, dinosaurs. What Thank you the, very much. Is it like petroleum products and stuff, or <laughs> yes, just in, yes. inhaling all of those, all that, di- all those dinosaur fumes. They all died at the same time, just to become oil to destroy our biome because they wanted to kill the next generation of creatures. Oh, They're playing a, the long game. <laughs> it's a very long and game. It wow. is working much better than it should be. <laughs> So dinosaurs, the idea is maybe that dinosaurs are the reasons we don't live a very long time. Well, mammals in general. And there's been some research done to look into this. 
what seems what the hypothesis is because we had reptiles and, and and dinosaurs came off reptiles reptiles live on average a long time amphibians do as well dinosaurs supposedly a lot of them live for quite a long time as well as far as we understand this information so they were long lived but mammals came later of course the mammals were offshoot of the reptile and you think well to begin with then it should probably have roughly the same lifespan like you know why would it be any sort of different and maybe at the start it did but for a hundred million years from the start of mammals we were small crunchy things good to eat by the very large terror lizards that were wandering around the earth we did one thing well and that, that's and right that was and, be delicious and also get it on thank goodness if, you, if you're just delicious you don't last very long but also make a lot of new mammals as fast as possible if i wish i could leave like a couple of plates of nachos in the fridge and come back to a whole bunch of baby nachos. <laughs> Just what, a, what, a, what, a, what a utopia it was for those dinosaurs. <laughs> so our ancestors lived fast, died young, and we think that maybe the reason we don't live very long because it wasn't chosen. It wasn't a, an evolutionary trait to live a long time. It just wasn't. It was basically get in, get out, make as many babies as you can. Get in and out and in and out. That's as fast as you can and make as many babies as you can and then get eaten horrifically. I'm going to use that excuse with my wife. <laughs> now, why this, this come up is reptiles and amphibians normally have three enzymes to protect them from UV. It repairs their cells from UV damage from the sun. Oh, nice. We're missing one of them. So mammals Ooh. miss even monotremes, even marsupials, and not just us placentals, are missing this UV enzyme. And the idea there is we would have lost that when we became nocturnal originally because it was safer to live in the darkness where more well, the horrible death lizards can't find you. Look, if you get all of your energy from the sun, I mean, not all of your energy, but all of mm. your, if you get energy from the sun and that involves you staying in the sun all the time, it makes sense that you've got mm. like a bit, of, a bit more protection. Well, especially for reptiles. Yes. Dinosaurs, we think were warm blooded or at least hot blooded or warm blooded, maybe medium. Remember that we talk about that. Maybe cool they were blooded. Like they a bird. cold blooded. Yeah, they weren't cold-blooded. Yes, we there's like a, a, a middle ground sort of thing or just hot-blooded creatures. We're not too sure. And also, when we say dinosaurs, there's a big range of different animals over 200 million years. So, you know, like it's, it's, it's like saying cars. There are lots of different sorts of cars, lots of different sorts of dinosaurs, and lots of different sorts of mammals. So our mammal, mammalian ancestors lost this enzyme, and we think that might have been because of the going into the dark and living nocturnally for a long period of time. We just didn't need it. It wasn't, it vanished and therefore, but no one suffered from it because you're in the dark, but it's led to a problem. Now we get more damage from the sun, which is not great for living in the sun. Not great for Dan. It's not good. Bits of you cut off. Our teeth don't work the same way. Like you talk about alligators just grow teeth forever and ever and ever. We have like two sets of teeth and that's about it. There's a lot of different differences, changes, but the idea, Dan, is that dinosaurs are the reason. Even today, we're still having echoes of those big lizardy bastards. And I say, one day, we're going to work out a way to go back in time. And we're going to discover that the comet or asteroid that destroyed the dinosaurs wasn't a comet or asteroid. It was your old friends, Greg and Dan, in the Smart Enough to Know Better comedy blimp coming in at many hundreds of kilometers an hour, crashing down into South America in the Yucatan Peninsula and just screaming, screw you, you feathery bastards. It definitely was a very dense object. So our, our blimp 
is uh, would definitely line up for that. That's true. It's the densest flying machine in the air floats. Yep. Greg, we share a friend and dedicated listener to the podcast called Joe, and Hi, she's Joe. N- she's never abused her position. She's always been given lovely feedback, but now she'd like an official response to an article she found about monkey hybrids. Oh, oh yes. Now, scientists in China have taken stem cells out of the embryo of a crab-eating macaque, which is its mm-hmm. name, not its activity at the time. They then <laughs> modified the cells and injected them into hey, a different hey, what, what embryo. Are you scientists doing? What are you scientists doing? Uh, we're going to get stem cells out of you. I'm eating a crab here, for God's sakes. Can I, can I finish my meal? Just no, like, I just need to ex- extract a stem cell. I know, I know, but I'm eating a bloody crab here. Could you just back up? Thanks. Could you just give me a moment? It's Jeez. just, it's going to take a long time. We know you don't have the little tool that like, that looks like a, a nutcracker, but more violent. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I didn't develop tools, but I didn't destroy the biome either, did I, buddy? Back up. Just Look, get the hell back. This isn't about which species is being tested on by which species. We're all oh. cool here. Oh, well, look, I, all I know is you're wearing pants, and I, but I can fling poo, and I will. So you just, you just give you me... You know what? Just finish your crab. That's all right. We'll just, all right. Uh, we'll come back later. Thanks. Thanks. And scene. And <laughs> scene. So these scientists in China have taken stem cells out of the embryo of this macaque. They then modified the cells. Hmm? That eats crabs. That eats crabs. That can, well, it can eat crabs. I don't know whether this one has ever eaten a crab. It's a monkey in a lab. It uh, probably gets gruel. Oh, crab again. That's great. Thanks. I really appreciate that. <laughs> That's... I'm so excited that you gave me crab. That's racist. <laughs> hey, God, yes. Hey, guys, why <laughs> Why do you give me crab? Why Why every week have you given me crab? I'm just wondering. Oh, it's just too lazy to look up the book. We just looked at the title of the book that oh, came I see. with you. Oh, I see. So all crab-eating macaques are the same to you. Is that what you're saying? Jeez. Are you saying you don't like crab? I didn't say that. I just said that sometimes I like to have a bit of variety in my diet. My poop is going to be very red from the well, crab. I mean, there's some lovely other seafoods just over your shoulder there. Are there? Get him! Hold him down! Get his <laughs> stem cells! <laughs> Let's get on with this fucking segment. <laughs> How many levels down are we going here? At any rate, they modify these stem cells. They put them into a different embryo. Mm. Different crab-eating macaque embryo. Mm-hmm. The animal was then birthed and they confirmed it was a chimera. Mm. So it had cells from the embryo and cells, cells from its, its embryo. So it was a blended embryo. Yes. So, so this research is very important because the modifications to the cells allow the scientists to create non-human primates that have certain diseases and conditions that they can study. Uh. Many valuable medical advancements stem from this sort of from these sort of experiments in rats, and now scientists have proven it's possible in macaques. We mm. always talk about how much research shows results in rodents that doesn't necessarily translate to people. Now we've got a better solution. Yes. This is fantastic news for all involved. Asterisk. <laughs> mm-hmm. It wasn't good news for the chimera monkey. (laughs) It had to be euthanized after 10 days due to respiratory distress. 
Also, because it was real angry about the fact it was trying to people feeding it crabs all the time. It just I don't think you feed crabs to a monkey that young. Like oh. that's what makes it a mammal. What you don't oh, milk. feed mammals? Oh, good point. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Chewing, yes, chew, chewing food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y- your deer suckles for a long time. Mm. Your crab straight onto the meat. I'm, I'm guessing, but little <laughs> tiny meat. Yes, right. It's also not good news for the chimera monkey's mother. Because mm-hmm. she lost her little monkey, and that makes yeah. monkeys sad. <laughs> it's also not good news for the 38 other monkeys that dealt with all the distress of the procedure, including mm. six that miscarried. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to think that our species' longevity is built on the backs of many, many dead animals. But then the same could be said for every predator on the planet. So I, I, I don't know how much of a trolley problem this is. <laughs> Big questions here, all seriousness, questions about animal cruelty and research that has to be looked into. But let's step back for a moment. I'm not throwing the vegetarian thing in people's faces here. I'm just, if you eat meat, where does it come from? It comes from the death of animals, even if it's ethically sourced, which is, I, I, and I'm not having, I'm honestly not having a go to any of our listeners who eat meat. I'm really not. It's It's fine. It's just, you have to be honest about where it comes from. And ethically killing is a funny word to me. I'm like, oh, I ethically killed that person. And you're like, what the hell are you talking about? And there are lines we've got to draw. That, I think that's my point. There are lines we have to draw. And I'm hoping that if we, in this chimera sense and with this sort of research that the line is drawn that it will be more helpful to more people than the horror it's very utilitarian but the more the horror that's being inflicted onto another creature and it that is a trolley problem it, yes and the line and the line that you draw may be different in your head listener and dan than i will draw than the scientist will draw and mm. that's where the tension comes from yeah joe <laughs> the thing is when it's being built on the backs of many many dead animals. Sometimes dead animals have delicious packs. (laughs) So another problem is that the macaques are endangered. Mm. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? Surely if that macaque, if it's endangered, on one level it'll be a good thing because if we desperately need them, we're going to make a lot more macaques. Unfortunately, we're going to be cutting them up in little pieces and making them chimeras. Yes, these animals are in a scenario where they are valued and and not, not... not properly valued, like they were rare and beautiful, unique creatures, but mm. pretend valued where they are compared to small green pieces of money. Yes. But what that means is that it's in these smart people's best interests to learn as much as they can about keeping these creatures alive and breeding. Mm. So, And yeah. there's also a lot of research, I don't know in this case, and lab animals, but there's a lot of research in, like into zoos, which, you know, there's a lot of ethical issues about zoos, and... How do you keep animals mentally stimulated and psychologically happy? There's talk about there's like animal valium, which is not great, but you know, as in keeping them like the, the same drugs that humans use when they're anxious are given to certain animals to stop them being anxious. There's a lot more understanding that animals aren't just fuzzy robots or, you know, like. they're 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 creatures with wants and dreams and hopes maybe not as beautiful and complicated as our listeners hopes and dreams but still they also don't want to be killed and they want to have a good time and they have families and lots of different sort of animals so we're learning a lot about that stuff so i hope and i know i'm just hoping against hope here but that the more we learn about psychology of animals the more we can help we can lessen the horror of creatures that we use to help us it's too late for my possum I want to. I want to go pat my cat now. 
<laughs> so it's your cat now. You just described it as your cat. Yeah. That's which, she which, chose that. I didn't pick it. She nah, came right. to me and was like, hi, I belong to you now. Feed me, love me, be cool. <laughs> I didn't have much choice in that. Yep, fair enough. In the darkness, Dan. No! Something has noticed us. Oh, I hope it's small. There's lots of small stuff in the dark. Oh, no, it's very large. Oh, no. And it's been watching. It's been leaving us for a while. It thought it had done the job and it walked away. Out, out, out it went into the dark. Mm-hmm. Happy that once again... Boogeyman? Is it Boogeyman? It's, it's I covered myself in a sheet and it left. <laughs> and it went out. Well, it was technically covered in some sort of white, white covering. It's true. It went into the dark thinking its job was done. Fungus? It's, Is it fungus? Sl- slow, slowly but surely over the years, it slowed and slowed. Sloth? Is it a sloth? <laughs> Death loss. Into the dark, slowing. And finally- A lion? It realized. I'm a guess every single motherfucking thing in the universe. Thank you for ruining the uh, tension in my story. <laughs> you are it's welcome. It's a crab eating macaque. <laughs> I, I, I don't like tension, so I diffuse it real quickly. You did. You done very well. Yeah, yeah. And then on December eighth, it realized its mistake and turned round, Dan. To come for us again. Oh, it's a... <laughs> it's a comet. It's a comet. Their comet. The one that, if I say comet, what is the name you think of, Dan? Blitzen. <laughs> Damn you, Dan. They, they're next to each other. yelled out the name of a it's, comet. It's all... It's Christmas time. Well, what do you expect? Come on, Dan. If you had to name a comet, what comet would be in your head? Hail Bop. Ah, oh, don't, you know, I can see in your head, you know what I want. And you're just like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to leave him on the line. Listeners, I can hear you. you know, I, I almost got to, I almost got to ride Hail Bop, but my mum wouldn't give me the five bucks and three quarters. <laughs> Couldn't get the, you got the plimsolls, you got the right shoes for it. That's always good. I'm speaking, of course, of the other famous H comet that's much famous than Hail Bop, Halley's Comet. Never heard of it. Oh, anyway. Halley's Comet was last with us. 1986. In exactly right. Back when I was a, a wee Ben. I was in I was grade a- 10 and <sighs> it was my favourite year at primary school. And my teacher and my class all designed the school's T-shirt. There was like a T-shirt that everyone could buy that said, yes. I'm Comet Crazy. No. And it had like a picture of a comet across the front and everyone went a bit Comet Crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because we were it, we were in 1910 when it came the last time. It was big in the sky and it was caused like it caused big terror. And they said, "Oh, we're going to pass through the tail." And everyone like there was like comet fever and people thought they were going to comet gas. And there was like selling of gas masks because people didn't really understand that going through a tail didn't mean anything. Um, oh, it well, does in Night of the Comet. Great, <laughs> great sci-fi film. So Halley's Comet comes every every 86, sorry, 76 years and. 
It's a periodic comet we've known for a while, named after Edmund Halley, who was the one who's like, hey, this comet through history is probably the same comet. Like the the one that's on the Bayou Tapestry is, is Halley's Comet. It's turned up a few times. Uh, the Chinese have mentioned Halley's Comet. Like everyone's, this comet just turns up because it's every 76 years. In 1910, it was quite large in the sky. And due to our knowledge of where it was in 86, we thought it was going to be really big because we're closer to it. But what we didn't realise, which I'm sure people must have realised, I just didn't say it, where with 1910, we were almost looking at it side on in space. We In 86, we were looking right up its tail. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, great. We're closer to it, but you're kind of, you know, like, uh, it's just a blob in the sky. Mm. Uh, I remember being very excited. As you said, Comet Crazy, everyone was very excited. We got to watch the Giotto probe. It was a, a probe had been sent out to go through the coma of the comet. So the the... So the bit at the front and, and actually went through and past the nucleus and actually got pictures of the nucleus and had a, a shield so it could charge through there and not get hit. And it was sending back photos of the nucleus of this comet. So the first time we'd ever seen something there. I don't remember this. Yeah, I was, that's, when I think about where, why I am who I am, this is, Halley's Comet is to blame. My father took me out in 85 when it was coming in to see it. And I saw a, a, Earlier on in, uh, I think, I'm assuming November or October or 85, not March, April of 86, when it was going towards the sun before it came round. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing it then early in the morning and then seeing it later on again. So my father really kicked that off. And then this Giotto probe really got in my imagination of this probe's going to go past the comet, go through the coma and get all this information never done before. And I wrote a story. I, I'd be like, I, you know, be able to do cool stuff at school. I was in grade. I don't know, primary school, I was in grade... You would have been grade seven Seven, six, I think it was six, yeah, I think. And and I wrote this story about this probe, this Yotto probe, and how, and I anthropomorphized it, and it was like this great adventure was going on, hmm. and then it goes through, it was going through the coma, and it got all the pictures, and I... <laughs> And I wrote the, and at the end, it was like, ah, oh, NASA, I've done really well. Can I come home now? No, you will never come home again. We cannot give you the, there's no fuel for you go. You will travel in space forever. And my teachers were like, oh, this kid's got issues. <laughs> so basically, like, she also was like, but I did well. Don't leave me to die out here. And his battery slowly gets lower. And, <laughs> and I was like, yay. Nervous, a weird kid. But Halley's Comet's on the way back. So on December 8th, it reached its aphelion. So it's the part of its orbit, like, furthest away from the sun. And it would have slowed down to about a kilometre per second. As it, cause it wasn't, like, just turned around and fall straight back. It was, it's in a um, a parabola, not a parabola, it's in a oval. My goodness, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a circle that's squashed. Um, an an ellipse. Ellipse. An oh, my ellipse. goodness. All right. Good Lord. And so it's falling back at about a, it got to about a Like a, a diamond, but rounder. Yeah, <laughs> sure. And it's on the way back. And it will be back in 2061. When I learned about Halley's Comet hitting that, what did you say, Aphelion? Uh, yes, Aphelion, yes, yes. I had never felt so old in my life. Because <laughs> a couple of years ago, I was in grade five. Yep. I was 10 years old and it was like, Haley's Comet isn't going to be back for another 76 years. And yeah. suddenly I wake up and it's half done. I am terrified of my oh, own mortality from that oh point on. I, I have a very different way of looking at it. I actually said to myself, I want to see this comet again in 86. I went, I'm going to see this comet again. And I knew that I would be 87, 86 years old when it came back. And I was like, I can do that. Because, you know, my plan is to is to live forever anyway. So 86 is nothing. It's the first step. But I was like, I can do that 
one of the things I've always looked at with my family, especially my close, is how long are they living? And my parents are almost 80 and are going pretty strong, my mother especially. So I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm happy with my next people. Now, a lot of other people in my family have dropped dead much earlier, but I'm basing it on the ones that have uh, made it this far. So I'm hoping that I've got their power. And I, one of the reasons... Remind me belliger- never to let you try to put armour on my planes. <laughs> on your plane? Yeah, Why? if I've got a plane and it comes back with a bunch of bullet holes, I don't want you to, you oh. in charge of whether... <laughs> Where the armor no, goes. No, no, I, I, yes, of course. It's, it's, but it's also, it, but doctors have told me that it, when they ask you questions about, oh, do you have this problem in your family, this problem family, they normally ask for your parents. They go, yes, okay, that's it. There are other problems that come through, but your parents are a good indicator. Or you know, your mother is like some sort of supernatural creature that's absorbing the life energy off those around her, in which case I, you are in trouble. But she loves me. She wouldn't do it to me. Just kill all your other idiots. But why do uh, you ki- why do you keep your friends around? By the way, <laughs> why are you looking so old? You're yeah, younger why, than me. Why is so <laughs> many of us have O or O negative type blood? That, that's actually very true, which is very strange and something I find hilarious. And also, a lot of my friends who are I do seem to hang out with younger people to keep cool. But uh, they're delicious are like, younger people yes, with their with their wonderful stem cells. The, the a lot of them are like, oh my back, oh my lumbago, oh, and I'm like. Oh, I'm actually fine. Like I only started wearing reading glasses sometimes, like a year ago, a year and a half ago now. And people and, and optometrists are like, "Yeah, forty. And I'm like, "I'm always fifty. Yes, yes. Anyway, point of this is not that I'm sucking the lifeblood of people. Is that Halley's comments on the way back? And I'm going to be here. If you're younger than me, which I'm assuming you are, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be really interesting. It, this time, we, I'm not going to say it's going to be giant in the sky. They've got some ideas that it will be okay. But this time, we'll be on the same side of the sun when the, as in the earth when the comet rounds the sun so it comes around the sun and so we'll be on the same side so we should have a really good view of it where last time it, it wasn't quite as good i'm not saying it's going to be large in the sky though some people are saying like there's going to be this many degrees in the sky i'm not going to say that because i'm not my area of expertise but it, yeah 80, oh, 2061 market your calendars ladies and gentlemen how this comet's coming back baby <laughs> The Knight's Spatula is an award given to those who have, outside of their normal duties, used science to save a life. Woohoo! Jackson Reitdick begins their email with the phrase, Hello, Your Majesty, which immediately <laughs> puts me in a favourable mood. <laughs> now, Jackson was working at a cafe where they noticed a co-worker had a weird spot on their neck. Months later, we realised it wasn't healing and I suggested they head off to a doctor and get it checked out and the co-worker didn't even realise it was there. When they returned, the biopsy said it was precancerous. Now, Jackson says they used biology to save a life. This was outside of their normal duties, unless the cafe was a combination beverage and skin check operation, which (laughs) I discourage. Mm-hmm. Mixing disrobing with hot coffee is a health and safety nightmare. Jackson says they saved a life. I am less enthusiastic about this element. Mm. We've discussed precancerous growths. Mm-hmm. They could become cancerous if left mm. untreated. A burger could give you colon cancer. But I'm not sure running up and knocking one out of someone's mouth constitutes saving their life. <laughs> now, perhaps... If it had been discovered that it was a melanoma, I would be warmer to the idea. Mm-hmm. But here's okay. the big one, Gregoire. Mm. Okay, Did here we go. Jackson use science? 
Did they check for A, B, C, D, E? A, asymmetry, is it lopsided? B, border, is it irregular? C, colours, are there several colours in the mole? D, diameter, is it getting bigger? Did they measure it and keep notes? Or E, evolution, is it changing over time? Did they photograph it and compare it? Mm. Did they look to see if it was scaly or shiny or pale or bright pink? They just noticed that it was weird. Mm. And my feeling is that noticing shit is only the very first step to science. (laughs) Philosophers notice shit. Scientists measure it. Mm. What do you think, Gregoire? They did definitely noticed. I give them that. It was precancerous. That's not their fault, though. Uh, But it it would be... Uh, it would be an a absolute kick out of the park if it was a melanoma. So uh, there's, there's, you know, we would give them that. They definitely noticed, but over time they did say it didn't heal. So they were noticing over time that they were keeping notes, maybe not writing stuff down, but they were keeping mental notes mm-hmm. and they were coming back to it. They didn't just see it once go get that checked. They were like, hey, that hasn't got any bigger or that hasn't got any smaller I think that's what they said. So therefore, that's going back over time. So there is a there is a longitudinal part. And then they based on that discussion, is that right? The second discussion, the person went and got checked. Well, he didn't discuss it with the guy first. He oh. just noticed it. And then the second time, when he looked at it again oh. later, he was like, ah. hey, that thing on your neck. And they were like, what thing on my neck? Ah, oh, man. it's It wasn't a one-off thing then. It was definitely they noticed something and they came back to it. If... I'm, I am, and it wasn't like a loved one. It was someone they worked with. It wasn't like they saw that body every day and that thing every day, or maybe they did see them every day, but you know what I mean? It wasn't something, I don't know. I feel, I'm leaning towards it. Um, Really? Yes. I want to kind of say maybe, maybe a squire spatula, maybe not a knight spatula, not quite there yet. You know, they can carry the weapons for a knight spatula, but, but maybe not the full knight yet. Something for them to work towards. A, a knight's certificate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and a nice knight's certificate. I also I want to encourage this kind of thing because look after everyone at your work and notice that they could be in trouble. Uh, oh, there you it, go. That's good information from Gregoire. Make sure that you look carefully at your co-workers' bodies when they're not looking at you. <laughs> Don't make it weird. It's already weird, Greg. I just made it clear. (laughs) Just a quickie. I got an email from Brian Drake. Hopefully I've written down that. I haven't written that down, right? Apparently I've got an email from Brain Drake, (laughs) which is some sort of mutant bird. (laughs) But I'm assuming assuming that's Brian Drake. He said we discussed... Brain Drain. Brain Drain? Mm. That sounds like a Superman villain. (laughs) We discussed making comedy shows based off of tragic events, and we mentioned Hogan's Heroes being a show made not long after World War II Mm. about World War II. Mm -hmm. And he pointed out something that I didn't know, that most of the comedy Germans were played by Jewish actors who had had first-hand experience with the horror of the Nazi machine. Wow. So this was definitely a situation of I'm allowed to make fun of this situation because mm. I was a victim of it. Mm. That's yeah, okay. And yep. there has been some suggestion that it was a, a big part in their uh, rehabilitation mm. uh, and dealing with the uh, traumatic stress of that incident. 
Mm, okay. So thank you, Brian Drake. Or Brain Drain. Brain Drain. Now we need a comedy show from someone who's in 9-11. No, 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 we don't. We, we need that. Uh, Society no. craves it. No, no, they don't. You know what's really sad is, and I, is my brain just went, it just opened up a little tab and then created a list of horrific comedy shows based on recent events in the world. And just, and I went, no, I'm not going to say any of those. I'm not going to say one of them. Thank you very much. And brain's like, no, no, no. They're funny puns and they're also horrific events. This is exactly what you ordered. Like, shut up, brain. No, stop it. Bad. Mm. Not doing it. The Israel world. Hmm? The Israel world. <laughs> God, let's not go there. <laughs> no, stop, Dan. I can see you thinking. Stop it. Stop thinking, Dan. Welcome to the Walk of Shame, where you, the audience, pick us up on the mistakes that have cropped up during the podcast. So, Greg, what walk of shames do you have for me? Shit-eating grin, sigh from Greg, move on to my walk of shame. <laughs> yeah, I speak I... too much in this podcast. That's my problem. I speak too much, and I'm much more willing to go off script. You're much, you're much more scripted, therefore your information is normally better. I, I have a habit of going off script a lot. I would say that you speak too much and I think too much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. okay. I asked you tongue in cheek, what was the color of kryptonite that turns Superman evil? Oh, yes. Thanks to Michael Barnes, I've discovered that I was accidentally setting you up for a walk of shame. <laughs> okay. He does say it's technically correct to say that red kryptonite has turned Superboy evil in the TV series. Exposure mm-hmm. to it a second time turned him back, so red kryptonite flips his alignment. Ah. In the terrible TV series Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, something that Girl Clumsy loves, <laughs> Red Kryptonite causes Superman to become apathetic, also Ooh. something that Girl Clumsy loves. <laughs> it has also made his powers transfer to other beings and also caused his powers to become uncontrollable. Ah. In Smallville, it turned him into a selfish greaser. <laughs> In the new 52, it causes hallucinations. Mm. And finally, when Superman was exposed to pink kryptonite, mm. it turned him into Uh-oh. a homo. Ah. But, Gregoire, Gregoire, uh, you, can't, you can't judge a story like that based on today's expectations. It was uh-huh. a different time. Mm. And this story was written all the way back in 2003? What the fuck, DC? What the fuck? <sighs> yep. So, um, you, because you were technically correct, you don't have to do a walk of shame, but everyone yep. at the offices of DC Comics, well, that's yes. a, no, it's just DC, isn't it? A detective right. comics, because yeah, they're not detective the, uh, comics comics. <laughs> yes. Everyone well, at de- detective DC. comics comics needs to do a walk of shame. Whoever wrote that especially, yeah. So we'll allow that go through to the editors. Yeah, that's crazy. But there's lots of different sorts of kryptonite, though. There are different, like, white and silver and yep. lots of different colours. Yep. They all do different things. It's so. like it's, it's so tropey that the pink one yeah. is the gay one, too. Yeah, it's annoying. At least make and it, like, it's also the modern, orange one. It's, like, it's modern tropey, t- uh, uh, frustrating, because the whole idea that pink used to be the colour for boys because it's fiery and blah and Blue was like the color for girls because it was calming and blah, which is also not great. Don't get me wrong. But I, yeah. Mm. 
Yes. Tammy. So, if you hear something that you disagree with, I mean, on the internet. No, no, that opens up too many emails. If you hear Greg and I say something that is absolutely wrong, please do send it to us with a bit of information about how we could be brighter and that's what the walk of shame is. You know what the Absolutely. walk of shame is. Yeah, we know by now. Yeah. That's right. Many times copied by other podcasts, the walk of shame. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And Greg at smartenough.org. Merry Christmas to everyone listening. Yay. Whatever you believe in at this time of the year or don't, hopefully you have a nice time. Hopefully it's not weird wherever you are and you're whatever weird ways you're celebrating it this strange thing or not celebrating it just having a thing just like chat gpt you're also slowing down due to the christmas break uh, so yes enjoy yourselves or don't i'm not your dad but so you heard greg's lovely christmas message don't enjoy yourself over christmas or enjoy yourself or don't i'm not your dad all those things are still are, are true i can back up every one of those things that's fine if you would like to give Craig and I a Christmas gift, then $200 dropped into the tip jar on PayPal would be perfect. <laughs> my God. Yeah, yeah. Put a value on it. My God, you just said, that's, wow. Okay. Oof. Australian pesos? No, US. Oh, my God. No, actually, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah you know, Australian. Australian in the PayPal. US right. in the patron. Patreon. Right. Oh, my Speaking goodness. Speaking of patrons, some of our patrons... <laughs> have paid it to be in the second tier. A big thank you to Britta Rogofsky, Andrew Whitehurst, Joshua Devland Moreno, Mariana Scott, Steve Stewart, Ivan Gronya Maguire, Andrew Trousdale, Matt Ewers, Liz Y, Lindsay Jenkinson, Ilana Mitchell, Matthew Toy, Avi Greenbury, and Andrew Potts. Thank you all so much for being tier two members of the patronage site. Also, for our Tier 3 listeners, I am going to insult you as you have wished. So, these insults are Yuletide insults, Gregoire. I'm sure I've done this several times before. We're doing it again. Of course. It's a big time of year. Steve Eichenhout, there's no room at the inn for you. And I don't trust you alone in the stable with those sheep either. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oof. Hark the herald angels groan. Oh, it's Joey Wesley. <laughs> Tom Siri, you're going to need a lot of mistletoe. Like, a lot. <laughs> and finally, Mikhail Kedar, you're as peaceful and kind as the sleepy little town of Bethlehem. Circa oh. December 2023. Oh, Tan. Dan. Skirting Dan. the edges Dan. Just where I like it <sighs> And to all these good nights Ooh. Michael Barnes, Scott Driscoll, Morden O'Hare Eric Wilson and Al Batson Thank you all for being top tier members of the patron pa- Patreon yes. of, of the pa- I, hate, I hate that it's Patreon But they're patrons Yes also, I hate Patreon because they're a bunch of money grubbing. Like, there's a problem with those guys, and if there was an alternative, they'd be very popular. Is all I'm saying. 
That is the end of season one of Smart Enough No Better. <laughs> season one? Oh, my God. Season two Call starts season. in January of next year. Woohoo! We'll be back, baby, in 2024 to bring you more science comedy and ignorance. We'll be doing the same stuff, but in a different, exciting way because our memories are going and we're not too sure how this runs anymore. So we're just going to keep plowing through. Stay with us because we're going to need support and you are our alibis. And as we always like to say, what the fuck, DC? What the fuck? Volatile chemicals in a house. There's going to be a lot of fire. Let's just let's be Look, honest. Here. Those the fires had nothing to do with volatile chemical. Hello. Um, yeah. So in the second fire, which was just limited to one bedroom, the fireys came and put out that fire, but they had to check the whole house to make mm. sure there was no other fire. Yes. And when they went downstairs, there was a lock on the door. Mm. And, and they were like, can we get in here? And they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll just go get the key. And they went up to get the key and came back down and the fireys had already just gone smash and smashed in the door. And they looked around at all the sinks and all of the big vats and the big plastic barrels and stuff and were like, hey, um, is your dad running a meth lab? <laughs> I love the idea that, I mean, I'm, I'm glad they worked it out, but that was before the era of the of the TV show Breaking Bad, so it wouldn't have been quite as in public consciousness. But if if it had happened ten years later, let's say, people would have, they would have kicked that door, and the police would have been called instantly. Like they would have just gone, "Oh my god!" Beep 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 beep. You know, like, I think fireys at the time probably knew what a like had oh, a, no, a vague sure. idea about what a meth lab. Was. Like in fact, I think that if they'd been watching Breaking Bad, they would have walked in and gone, "Well, this isn't." Meth. I know how to make meth. <laughs> Good point. So you think that uh, Breaking Bad did a public service to all the people, all the uh, owner builders who did their own renovations. It saved them a lot of problems, not added well, to them. Here's the problem is that he had a very specific job at the time. One of his very specific jobs at the time was to breed <laughs> cultures of bacteria. Oh, God. That yeah, so and then you take these big barrels of bacteria out mm. and you pour them into the, the lagoons at piggeries because <laughs> all of the pig waste gets washed yes. into these lagoons and becomes horrible. And then you pour this bacteria in it and it be- turns into a wastewater pool where the bacteria eat up all the poop, they basically clean up the pond for you. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it requires some very specific setup. Yeah, yeah, it looks a bit like a meth lab. I like the fact, I do like the fact that your dad used to wear nothing but tidy whities when he did it. So that, that sort of obviously passed into the TV show. And he did like to knock. He was a bit of a knocking guy. So that was nice too. Wait, wait, was he paid for his? <laughs> Look, uh. if, if some man is coming to my door dressed only in tidy whities, I do want them knocking. <laughs> I don't want them just walking straight in. No, that's true. That's true. Many, 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 many years ago, visited a friend of mine's house, a share house. First time I'd been there, I was like, oh, sorry. I was like in my early 20s, like a long time ago now. And was just chatting. We all chat, 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 no problem at all. Having a wonderful time. A few drinks before we all headed out. And I needed to go to the bathroom. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, no, no problem. Just down the hall. Like it, it was an old Queensland with a massive hallway, lots of built rooms off the side, you know, that one of those sort of places. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I went for a wander down the hallway. He just said on the right, you know, door, and so you're like, oh, there's like 800 doors. It's probably not going to be the first door, but you know, the, you know, the layout of the house is going to be toilets and kitchens are going to be up the back somewhere. So I'm, I'm sort of heading down that way. 
can't find it. All the doors are closed. So go to a door, which just, it just looks like a door and, and it's locked. And then don't think about it. I was like, uh, rattling it a bit. And then I'm like, oh, it feels a bit, well, hey, blah. Is this, I think the toilet may be locked. He's like, no, it's not locked. I was like, yeah, I think it might be locked. The door is really warm. Suddenly lots of motion from the lounge room. <laughs> <laughs> and I get, and people like two people that, as in the person I was meeting and, and his one of his flatmates who wasn't quite as impressed by everything was like, Hey, yeah, you can F off from that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. And I, and I really like, and later on, it took me ages to work out. Like it was many, many, many weeks later. It occurred to me that <laughs> basically his, my friend was like going to be cool about it, but the guy obviously who was, obviously growing marijuana hydroponically wasn't being cool about it. What he thought was I was being clever, but actually I was just being a dope. <laughs> I didn't or know. he was really embarrassed about having imprisoned a fire elemental. <laughs> My sister, very thoughtfully, knowing that I like jigsaw puzzles, bought us a advent calendar jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> right. I open the box and there are 24 little red boxes in there, numbered 1 to 24. Yep. And every day you can open a little box and do a 6 by 6 jigsaw puzzle. And they, right. at, at the end, they all connect into like a 900-piece oh puzzle. The idea is that every day we can get up and we can do a very small puzzle together. And what a lovely thing that it is. So the first day we opened it up and we did the 6 by 6 puzzle. Yep. And then the next day, we didn't really get time to do it. And because you're yep. like, oh, well, like, I, I, it's not just opening a door on a calendar. It's like, oh, we have to spend a bit of time. Yep. And I'll, I'll find five minutes somewhere else. And then that day ends and we're like, oh, we didn't get it. Well, just do two tomorrow. Yeah. And then you get to two tomorrow and you're like, oh, well, now I've got to spend find time to do two in a yep. day. Yep. And then suddenly it's seven days later. And this very thoughtful gesture from my sister is now described as the little red boxes of shame <laughs> as they pile up and up into yeah. us basically having to do a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle on Christmas Eve. <laughs> because jigsaw puzzles are supposed to be fun, but this one's got a fucking timer on it. <laughs> yes. Hi, you need to do this thing every day. <laughs> Whatever it's doing, it, sometimes it will start to, it just becomes more apparent that these two colours aren't as similar as I originally thought they were. Did you say One, more apparent? Anyway. Because they can't get any more apparent than they are. <laughs> They're 100% parrot. There is, um, you can do reverse... Um, Ishimari tests as well, which are for like those dot tests, but they're for blind, colorblind people to inflict onto non-colorblind people. Ooh. But they uh, always put one at the end to catch people, which is hilarious to me. So if you think if you go, oh, I'm colorblind, and you, and you just like telling people you are, and that at every one of these tests is always one at the end that if you're not colorblind, you will not see, and therefore it's how they catch people out. Ah, right. Because <laughs> you, you can also, say, oh, I can't, I, I can't see it. You could just go, oh, I can't see the teapot. Everyone's like, oh, okay, and then, and, and, but unfortunately, it's a, it's a, it's a, like it gives false hope to colorblind people where they're like, oh, it does. Oh, it might be colorblind. I might be colorblind. Oh no, I can see it. I'm not colorblind. It's like, oh, bad news, son. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. <laughs> Suck exactly a dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, doctor. Yes. 
Doctor Itch. We don't know why he was a he was a great color expert, but also a real dick about it. <laughs> I think the word chimera is throwing people off to get. I mm. think that's the the clickbait. Is it's yeah. a chimera, like a yeah. part lion, part snake, part goat. It's like no, no, no. It's part monkey, part Same identical monkey. monkey. Uh, it seems to happen more with women. Their twin is basically absorbed into their own system. One woman was getting, I think it was skin cells off an arm, like getting getting a test, and they were like, it kept coming back weirdly that it, mm. like, it was the wrong test and it turned out that she had a genetic, parts of her skin were genetically different to other parts of her because it was yeah. her twin sister. And you're like, that's where it realised in the womb it was absorbed well before it was a human being. It was just a blob. Some bits of her were now close enough the body didn't freak out and take it out, but different enough that we registered it differently as a genetic test. Mm. So, and that's not a weird kind. It's a chimera, but it's not. It's just, that woman's going to kill us all. It's like, I mean, she may. She might. Like she. She might. And all the powers of me and my twin. And she'd be like, "Oh, did you check the DNA at the scene? Because it might be corrupted." Yeah. I did think that when I read that story, I was like, oh, if you could just work that out and keep, it's a great story idea for a, like a, a murder story where it's like if someone uses their own chimera nature to, to muddy the waters, mm. and, but it, it would have, probably have to be close enough to you that it would be a family member. They would go, oh, it's a family member that doesn't exist. And Maybe if you got, had like two set, two different sperm cells, because if mm. you, if you were impregnated by, if you got, had twins, mm. Was it fraternal twins? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah fraternal. Yes. Right. For, except from two different fathers. Oh. And then, <laughs> and then that chim- chimerid. Oh my then god. Then you could have the DNA of two completely unrelated people. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know enough about. I, I have a feeling that would abort pretty quickly. Like the body would go. And no. Like as in when they absorb like the the. I, I don't know. I think the I don't know. Really I mean, it, it's probably just unlikely. It's just a two yeah. unlikely things happening. Yes, those things happen all the time. Yeah, true, true. And it, billions of us. Yeah, you got a point there. Of uh, it's a one of the million chance. Well, I mean, there are eight of them on the planet right now. So you go, oh crap. <laughs> so so then this random dude finds out that his daughter that he didn't know about has committed a crime, and they can't find the daughter. Yes, yes. And it turns out, so this is this is an episode of Columbo that writes itself. Oh, and, and it'd be amazing if that person was like a really powerful business person or politician who gave Ooh. sperm when they're twenty. They're like President President Yakov, you're oh, under arrest for murder. And they like, didn't oh give God. sperm. They gave sperm. Well, people do it for money in America. Like you have to like. But, but he, if he's rich, he's probably born rich. Oh, good point. I I, I was assuming. Sorry, I got all, I got a little utopian. And was like a poor man made his way up through the ranks that's of the not system how and became works. the prime minister no, or president no, of the country. Impossible. No, that's right. What you're saying here is it, it's more likely that two unlikely genetic accidents happen to create mm-hmm. a chimera than it is for a poor person to become the president or prime minister of a country. Correct. Of the United States. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Sad, but true. <laughs> I had a really weird brain moment then because I'm looking at your face there and my face there and sort of jumping back and forth between them. Mm. And then my brain got confused as to who I was. <laughs> and I'm like, am I talking? <laughs> Very confusing. I shut that. I can't do that. I shut down my own view. I don't have it there. 
I just like it when for those like little moments between things where I get bored and I don't look at myself and I'm not bored. <laughs> don't know what that says about me. Oh my god! Speaking of which, have you seen this pond? I have been. I found a pond to look into, and oh my god! I just can't stop stop oh myself my from getting closer and closer to this beautiful <laughs> pond. There's this person in it. They're amazing. Oh, so pretty. I want to be her best friend. I don't drop anywhere near as many f bombs anymore mm. because they are a nightmare to edit. It used okay, to be like yes. a one-button thing, and now it's yeah. like every single time I'm like, oh, I wish I hadn't sworn. It's a really weird mechanism. But you've but we only use it in your bit, but you said it twice, and I just copied it there. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, I realise yeah. this. But even even when I was saying it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to regret it. The future, <laughs> future Dan is going to be cranky at past Dan. 